When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. This is your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Hope you had a great week. Well, compared to last week and All of the drama that's been going on with Bachelor in Paradise, this week's tea doesn't seem too hot. But a few quick announcements. Real Housewives of Atlanta, Portia Williams, announced that she's pregnant this week. So that'll be really exciting to see on the next season. And a pretty funny Instagram story was posted by Lisa Rinna, where her and Erica Jane were gossiping about one of their fellow castmates on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And they were saying everyone was there to do a photo shoot and that one of the castmates refused to come out and shoot with them. And so they were going to be shot separately and then digitally added into the photo shoot. Now, one could wonder, who could this be? Probably not Denise Richards, since she's a newbie and apparently gets along with everyone on the cast thus far. One of my thoughts was, what about Dorit? There's been a lot going on with her, but she posted on Instagram, it wasn't me. So it leads us to wonder, probably not Kyle or Teddy, who are now joined at the hip and BFFs. They spent the entire Emmy weekend together. Uh, It's likely Lisa Vanderpump, which is pretty interesting. I think there's a lot of stuff that's been leaked about this coming season of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills that make me really excited because there hasn't been a lot going on with them. You know, we had Pantygate. There (laughs) There really wasn't anything happening. So, so glad they brought in Denise Richards. And I'm really hoping we can get some real drama and fun and friendships. It sounds like a couple of things are going on with Kyle Richards' husband, Mauricio, where he's being sued for some things related to his agency, uh, the agency, uh, real estate business. 
And Dorit adopted a dog from Vanderpump Dogs and then later decided she couldn't handle having that dog and brought it back to a shelter, which then microchipped the dog and saw that it was microchipped at Vanderpump Dogs and then returned it to Vanderpump Dogs. So Lisa found out that Dorit adopted one of her beloved dogs and then brought it to a shelter. Apparently, they've gotten over this, but I think that is the worst thing you could do to Lisa Vanderpump. You know she loves dogs more than people, and that is just truly, truly offensive, even for Dorit. We know that there was a woman chasing Dorit while they were on a vacation with all the other housewives in the Bahamas, claiming that her husband, PK, stole money, so... There's just a lot happening, and I can't wait to get into it. Another quick announcement I wanted to make is that one of our podcast um, guests, Brittany Vasur Thomas, who um, you all know is a YouTuber, her YouTube channel, Vasur Beauty, reached 1 million subscribers um, about a week ago. So huge congrats to Brittany. Very exciting. If you haven't seen her channel, please check it out. It is awesome. There's stuff on cleaning, organizing, DIYs, a lot of vlogs into her life and her adorable son, Carter, which is the highlight of the channel, in my opinion. He is the cutest thing ever. Okay, well, now going to go into the Real Housewives of the OC before going to this week's guest, James Maller, who is visiting D.C. from Geneva, but originally from Australia, and he's going to give a take on Dallas from Down Under. So this week's episode of The Real Housewives of the OC was actually my favorite episode to date. It definitely made me laugh, and there was a lot of really interesting drama and friendship dynamics. So about to get into it. So the episode starts where it left off last time, where Kelly is upset that Vicky's boyfriend, Steve, talked to the tabloid page six about her and Michael's divorce. I guess they asked him something about, you know, did you set Michael up with his new girlfriend? And Steve said, Michael and I have been friends. And yes, I set him up. Now, Steve does not seem like someone who's very tabloid savvy. So I don't think he really knew the implications of this. And I think it's kind of silly for Kelly to get all heated about it. Anyways, when Kelly goes at the party to confront Steve, he is talking to Shane, Emily Simpson's husband. And Shane is like, why are you yelling at him? Like, calm down. We're just, me and him, we're having a conversation. Kelly does not like that Shane has sort of butted into this. And Shane tells Kelly, you're drunk. Kelly sees red. She starts yelling. She calls Shane a little bitch. Emily steps in and goes, who are you calling a little bitch? She's like, that guy over there. She's like, that's my husband. Don't you effing talk to my husband? And Kelly puts her face in Emily's face and is like, hit me, hit me. 
And Emily's like, don't you talk to my husband like that. Get the F away from me. I'll effing kill you. At this point, Gina is pulling Emily away from Kelly. And I think Shannon was supposed to be pulling Kelly away from Emily, but isn't doing a very good job of that. Gina definitely broke up that fight. Now, Emily doesn't seem to be someone that loses her cool very often. I'm not sure why this was so triggering to her. And I'm wondering if there were some other insults that Kelly said about Shane that weren't shown on the episode. So Gina, you know, gets Emily to walk away. Tamara comes downstairs. This is her party that she's throwing for her husband, Eddie. She's not sure what just happened, and she's very confused. Um, Kelly then, kind of pretty funny, tells Shannon, so in that relationship, she's the dude and he's the bitch. I don't know. It's kind of antiquated to think that there has to be sort of like one dominant character in a marriage, but whatever. So then um, when Emily is recounting what has happened, they show a montage of Kelly saying very offensive things. (laughs) And you see that Kelly just does not keep her cool and always goes for the jugular when she is in an argument. She likes to fight dirty. So Emily is talking to her husband, Shane, and Shane's like, I don't care. Like, why do you care? Are you telling me you're valuing her opinion? And, you know, he does a really good job, actually, of calming down Emily. And I I appreciated it. Um, he said, you know what? Stick here for a moment, like, and just chill, just you and I. And Emily says, I can't deal with someone saying that about you. And Shane goes, well, then don't hang out with her. Like, I don't care. And I just, I don't understand why Emily was so upset. Was Shane called more than a little bitch? Does this a little bitch have some sort of really negative connotation for her? Can't quite figure it out. Anyway, it's quite apparent that Kelly did not recognize Shane as Emily's husband, despite meeting him and being introduced to him 30 minutes earlier. Um, So (laughs) after all of this, you see a side of Steve and Vicky that I don't think we've really seen before, where they just seem genuinely happy in their relationship and secure and not getting into the pettiness of the drama that Vicky usually would get into. So Steve asks, you know, can I get you anything? And Vicky says, my pajamas, hot tea, and Seinfeld. Oh my God, I am relating to Vicky. Like I, that's exactly what I would want too. Is Vicky somewhat relatable all of a sudden man I really liked this side of her so then when Vicky leaves Kelly proceeds to gossip about Vicky and Steve's relationship which I just think is it's dirty it's messy it's totally unnecessary but does make for great television so Kelly tells Shannon and Tamara that her friend was dating a girl that used to date Steve and that he told that girl that he's only using Vicky for money. And Kelly says, in my book, Steve's a bad guy. Now, it all seems that because Steve was friends with Michael, 
her ex-husband and favored Michael in the divorce, I guess, because that was his friend that she's upset. And it also seems that Eddie favored David in his divorce with Shannon because Eddie was friends with David and that Shannon and Kelly are both kind of dealing with this where they have good friends whose partners are still friends with their ex-husbands. Now, I think the difference is that David seemed to be somewhat arguably abusive towards Shannon, um, whether physically that was claimed at one point in the series, although Shannon denied it, but definitely emotionally abusive. Whereas Michael, it sounds like Kelly was the one that wanted to end that and it ended somewhat amicably, but she still has pain for him moving on. So after all of this, Emily, Vicky, and Tamara get together to rehash what happened at the party. And Emily is totally owning up to her part in this fight. She said, if I could go back, I would have handled it in a more reasonable manner. As in, not shouting, I'll effing kill you. Um, But Tamara totally empathizes and said that Kelly can just push a button. And then they flash back to when Tamara is yelling at Kelly, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Man, these women. But uh, Tamara was defending her daughter that Kelly was talking about, saying, no wonder your daughter doesn't talk to you. Just a really, really horrible, completely unnecessary thing to say. And then Tamara decides to share with everyone what Kelly said about Steve being with Vicky just for money. And Vicky, it doesn't bother her that much. She just says, Kelly doesn't want to see us happy. Like, why is everyone always after what I have? And I don't even have that much money. I don't think people are after what you have, Vicky. But I do think that Kelly is trying to stir the pot. So then... The episode continues with Shannon going on a blind date with a very nice, good-looking gentleman named Tom who was divorced after 30 years of marriage. Uh, Shannon has a sprained ankle, yet is wearing really, really high heels. Tom is impressed by this. He's cute, he compliments her, and he opens up about how painful his divorce was. And during that, he cries a little bit. I actually thought it was really endearing and sweet, but I think it was a bit much for Shannon, which is hard to believe because she cries about her divorce all the time. And speaking of divorce, Gina lets us all know that her and her husband, Matt, are likely splitting up. Now, we haven't seen Matt on camera at all, and I think that's because um, before filming ended they decided to separate and so he probably never signed any paperwork um, allowing himself to be on camera so when you're actually looking at footage of her house and there are picture frames and the pictures are of him his face is blurred out so I don't quite understand everything that's going on with Gina and Matt's marriage. It sounds like they met when they were 22. They got married really young and they had kids because everyone else was having kids and they had three kids and now they've kind of grown apart. But it doesn't really tell the full story and she's not very good at describing what the problem is and why they're getting divorced. Yet she spends a lot of time this episode talking about it. We'll get back to that in a bit. So then there's a little vignette of Vicky's birthday celebration 
where Steve organizes a surprise dinner and her brother comes in and all of Steve's family is there. And it's really sweet. It seems like Steve's family really likes Vicky. I feel like Steve and Vicky are the real deal. And I feel like everyone needs to stop saying that she was more into Brooks or that Steve, you know, doesn't satisfy her sexually or whatever it is. I think that's crap. She seems balanced and happy and better than I've ever seen her. So just putting that out there. Then Kelly and Emily get coffee to talk about the massive blowout that happened um, in the very beginning of the episode. And Emily, again, just exudes maturity and says, you know, I think both of us said things that were out of line. And, you know, Shane was at the wrong place at the wrong time. And Kelly explains, you know, Shane stuck up for Steve, and then he told me I was drunk, and then I just saw red. And Emily's like, you can be upset with him. I understand why you're upset with him. But, like, don't call him names. And um, so then (laughs) um, Kelly points out, well, you know, you did tell me you were going to kill me. And she goes, yeah, I should have never said that. I I was wrong. And they move on from this. We'll see if they can remain friends. I think it was really nice to actually see two women quash it really quickly. And hopefully that's the kind of drama, but also being able to move on from it that Emily is going to bring us because I really, really appreciate it. It's just like Real Housewives of New York. They can have the most epic throwdown fights, but the next day, go grab cocktails. They seem to bounce back from things, and I really hope that the OC starts getting a bit more like that because I want to see these ladies have fun. Speaking of fun, Shannon goes to see Dr. Moon, who is her energy healer, and that is how she's dealing with her sprained ankle. Lord help us. (laughs) So she brings Vicky along and he finds anger in Vicky. Shocking. And the anger, he says, is actually in her liver. So he's like poking and prodding on her liver and she's shouting. And he says, who are you angry at? And she's like, his name is Brooks. So they are trying to weave this story and this narrative that Vicky is still hung up on Brooks. Now, I don't think she's hung up on him. I think she's angry at everything that he put her through. And I think she's also really angry at herself for allowing herself to be duped by him. He, her ex-boyfriend Brooks, pretended he had cancer. He did not have cancer. And then she went along with the lie to kind of cover up the fact that she was duped. And it was just really a huge, huge mess. So this kind of goes into when all the women um, besides Vicky and... Kelly are at dinner at the end of the episode. They're talking about Vicky and Steve's relationship, and people are arguing whether or not she's over Brooks, whether she really likes Steve, whether she's happy, and the whole thing is just crap. And Tamara does kind of butt in and says that she doesn't think that Vicky loves Steve. But she took that back this week on Twitter while she was live tweeting during the episode. I don't know. The whole thing is just ridiculous. Just leave Vicky and Steve alone. 
So then we get to Gina opening up about her divorce again. They show her FaceTiming her mom and, you know, kind of explaining her whole thing. We got married because everyone else was getting married. We had babies because everyone else was having babies. And then we moved to California and he had this job in L.A. And we've been sort of living separately for eight months. And there's a disconnect. Yeah, no shit. There's a disconnect. You're not living together. Did they separate on purpose? Was this a trial period? I don't fully understand. Um, Gina seems to kind of not be sure, but she seems to think that divorce is where things are heading. And so she tells the ladies this, and they have different opinions on it. Vicky, of course, does not believe in divorce, despite, I think, being divorced twice. Uh, She wishes that she had never left Don and that they had worked things out, which is kind of probably hard to hear if you're her current boyfriend, Steve. Um, Shannon also really thinks divorce is awful. She's going through a horrible divorce right now. If she had it her way, they would have stayed together and made it work. And Shannon doesn't like seeing Gina with three young kids. I think they're all under age five, knowing that these parents are going to separate. And I think she sees that Gina has these sort of rose-colored glasses on about how they can co-parent and they're not going to argue and the divorce is going to be really easy and they're still best friends. And so Emily's kind of like, well, if you're still best friends and you find him attractive, like, why would you get divorced? (laughs) Something's not adding up. Um, The girls really think that she's going to potentially regret it later. The grass isn't always greener, but, you know... We'll see what happens. And then the episode ends with Gina calling out Shannon for her role in the fight between Kelly and Emily and how she knows that Kelly is a hothead and that Kelly was going to confront Steve and Kelly had been drinking and she should have prevented Kelly from doing that. And Shannon's like, I talked through what she was going to say to him. And Gina's kind of like, that's crap. Like, you should have just prevented her from doing it. Now, Shannon can't really prevent a grown woman from doing anything. But, you know, was she an instigator in this? I don't know. She surely did not pull Kelly away from this fight the way that Gina did. And since filming has ended, Gina did say that she has formed friendships with all of the ladies on the show, with one exception, which is Shannon. So we'll have to see what happens next week. Uh, on the preview, Gina admits that she does not believe in God and Vicky loses her mind. <laughs> okay, up next is a breakdown of The Real Housewives of Dallas. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 36. I'm here with James Maller, a friend of mine and a colleague who is from Australia but lives in Geneva. And he is in town visiting because next week we have a big work-related event going on at the United Nations. In Dallas. In Dallas. In Dallas. United Nations of Dallas. (laughs) What an event it will be. So before we go to New York for a United Nations event, I decided to introduce him into the world of The Real Housewives. And he has never seen one of these shows, not even The Real Housewives of Melbourne, and figured that the best way to start would be Dallas. 
James, what were your initial thoughts of seeing these women? Well, initial thoughts is a good way to describe it, actually, because I feel as though there wasn't that much thought that was going on during the whole course of the show, (laughs) to be honest. Um, It was a fascinating group. Um, There was quite a lot of contrast. You could really tell that they represented the average working woman of America. (laughs) The day-to-day challenges, the daily grind, you know, challenges with friendships, with relationships, with career options you know, with whether or not your pirate boyfriend was legitimately wanting to marry you or not. Whether <laughs> Wait, let's, let's get into that. So the episode starts with Leanne and her boyfriend, Rich, who has an eye patch. We're not entirely sure why he has this eye patch, but he has it. And they are talking about marriage and they have a wedding planner. They do. And what a great suit. Wonderful suit, good dress sense on the uh, wedding planner, I think. um, But, you know, there was a lack of enthusiasm there. A lack of enthusiasm. Do you think on Rich's part? A little bit on both. I feel like that there was... It was kind of like that they they wanted their cake, their wedding cake. Their wedding cake. They wanted to eat it too, but they didn't necessarily want want the level of commitment. There was... It was more just a you know, we're getting on in life and maybe this is something that we could do to fill in um, a Sunday afternoon instead of the usual pims and bowling or whatever the Dallas equivalent of that may be. Can you explain what pims and bowling is? (laughs) I'm not quite sure, actually, because it's not really an Australian thing, but I feel like it's an English drink. You're probably having, you know, quite nice sandwiches, maybe some tea. It's probably lukewarm because they had to carry the tea from wherever it was getting made to wherever it was getting drunk. But um, yes, I, I, it was bizarre. You know, the, 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 lack of, the lack of conviction in any conversation with a wedding planner is, uh, is, is never a good thing. You know, I, I know that from my, my, my previous seven, you know, wedding planner experiences. And, um, <laughs> conviction was the main takeaway message for me. So... Um, One of the things that was really cute in this week's episode of Dallas was Brandy and her children when the social worker and Dr. James Mercer, friend of the podcast, came to visit their house to do a house visit because they can't finalize the adoption until they do a certain number of house visits and make sure that Brandy and um, Brian and their family are a suitable home for the baby Bruin. Thoughts on Brandy and her kids? Well, for starters, Brandy's quite the fitting name, and her kids seem to know it. Uh, what was Mum's favourite drink? I think it was was a wine. Yeah, she was like, "Mummy likes wine." <laughs> Mummy does. Mummy definitely likes wine. Mummy likes getting the maid and the help to to take the kids for a walk down the street as well. But but she actually doesn't. It comes up later how she has trouble actually asking for help with her kids and always wants to be the one there. If it's not her, then it's her husband. Lucky position to be in that even though she has trouble, that the help is still there if she needs it. Yes. Well, she hasn't used it yet, but I'm sure we will find out throughout this season that um, once she has three kids, that hopefully she's able to open up a bit more. An entire ginger army, isn't it? Ginger like, uh, army. <laughs> quite, the Redmond Ginger Army. It was a little bit out of control, really. The adoption requirements or criterion that she was clearly seeking out was one more ginger for the swarm. (laughs) 
What did you think of Cameron? Now, Cameron is sort of the Barbie-looking character who has a company called Sparkle Dog, which makes pink dog food. There was quite a lot of um, reactions. She's quite a. She's clearly the the complex character of the group. Um, <laughs> at first, I was thinking maybe maybe dense. Um, may, maybe that peroxide is just there for show. But no, no, that's that's pretty much the the that that superficial sort of hairstyle actually sort of represents a lot more. But you know, she she's clearly she's got a lot going on. I know that she was you know college educated. She's um you know some one of America's finest minds. Um, but who knows what could happen for her? A big future in the Republican Party, no doubt. <laughs> well, so but do you think she's playing a character? Because I always wonder, is this who she really is? Well, it's not a very fucking impressive character if she's actually playing one. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Well, what sort of character do you feel as though she's playing? I think she's kind of playing an airhead. Not that she's that smart, but I feel like she's playing this, oh, I'm just this woman who married a very wealthy man, and now I'm just, you know, trying to live up to the Westcott name, and I've never done anything bad, and you can't find anything about me that's, you know, I've never, like done anything in college so that would just, be quite standard dallas damsel in distress drowning <laughs> in swarms of money and ineffective thought basically but do you think i mean is it is it possible for someone to to be as ridiculous as her i don't actually think it is i don't think that's it is. that's why i feel like she's acting I think that she's a puppet. I don't think she's a person. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe she's on like a sort of set of strings. Maybe it's some sort of I. I don't know. It it, it it's sort of. She doesn't seem real. Nope, she does not. Now, um, do you think Deandra seems real? And Deandra's the one who wants to split off her company from her mom. Well, see, that's a real issue, isn't it? Really, in the, it actually it actually is a real issue. It's for, just for me, it was just the aftermath of the GFC. So many people. So many GFC, the global financial crisis. <laughs> Everyone was struggling to where to from here in terms of the family business, and for her, you could say, you know, you could see it was paycheck to paycheck, very substantial <laughs> ones at that. But it was, how do we live from paycheck to paycheck in this? In <laughs> no, but really, what do you think of her? What do you think of like the whole situation of trying to start over at forty nine, and and not to trivialize her her problems because you know you and I work and we deal with people who are experiencing poverty and illness and all this but if someone was born with a silver spoon in their mouth and they've never done anything on their own and they're 49 years old and they're for the first time trying it's as if they're a child like leaving for the first time it's as if they're going away to school it's she seems so unprepared for the quote-unquote real world and having to budget and having to make decisions and having to weigh, can I afford this? Can I afford that? If I do A, I can't do B. She seems to really struggle with it. Is there any part of you that identifies it's just odd seeing it in a 49-year-old woman? Look, she's dealing with the, the complex realities of her existence. Like, I've never been to Dallas, but clearly Dallas is a very, very special place but as much as <laughs> these I, are just wealthy women in dallas but as much as i would like to ridicule her like i'm not that much younger than her i've got a i've got a sneaky decade plus plus to sort of catch up that space but i i have the same dilemmas the same struggles and when you know 10 years ago i would have thought that i would have my life in some sort of order and have some sort of sense of you know 
um, organization and capacity and just knowing what competence. you're knowing General what you're doing competence. with your life. I feel like a lot of us like we all of a sudden stop and think and we're like, wait, is this where I thought I would be at this age? And and I think she's having that issue. You see, like the thing is for her to stop and think requires her to have started at some point, though. And I'm not quite sure that she got to that point. I think she did. I think you're being really harsh on Deandra. Uh, maybe I am. Like Deandra, look, Deandra is the, the battler of the story, isn't she? The one that, the underdog, the one you, you're secretly cheering She never for. has been. This is the first time we're seeing any weakness that she's ever shown. Well, I don't have that context, so I've only seen weakness. Exactly. And so, you know, the, I'm sort of, I'm there I appreciate, ready to put the arm around her. I appreciate the weakness and her showing a vulnerable side. Um, but what I found was really interesting was that when she opened up to her best friend, Leanne, she oh. just wanted Leanne to listen. And I think we've all been in this situation where you have something going on in your life and you just want a friend to listen. You don't actually want them to tell you what to do and you don't want them to plan the way forward. You just want them to listen. The problem is, is that when a friend comes to Deandra, she doesn't listen. She tells them what to do. And so it's like people are reacting to her the way she reacts to them. And Leanne was giving her tough love because that's what she does to Leanne. But have you ever been in a situation where you just wanted to open up and complain and unleash on a friend and not actually try and solve a problem? Well, I think that that's generally my my standard approach to life, actually. <laughs> that's my, my day-to-day existence. It's what gets me from coffee to coffee each day at work. So, no, I completely understand it. And I don't appreciate getting tough love back in response. So, you know, I can, I, I'll, stand, I'll stand with Andrew then on that one. What about the uh, $200 in her bank account uh, comment? Pathetic. Only $200. <laughs> joke. Uh, you know, look, I think that she, I think that there's, you know, some, some solid, a solid basis for her to get kicked out of the friendship group. <laughs> I know. How is she even on this TV it show? It was so sad when she opened up about her friend who lost all of her friends because she lost her money. I don't under, I'm very much on like team Brandy when it comes to this. If you can't be yourself and people don't like you at yourself, why the hell are you friends with them? It makes no sense. So I don't understand how you could even get involved in a group of people or a society where they only value you for your money. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't relate to it. Well, they can only value you for more than your money if you value yourself for that, no? And I kind of feel as though if your whole identity is shaped and constructed by the very, you know, by some sort of sense, uh, overinflated sense of uh, perception and self-worth, it's it's inevitable that others will only take you, you know, for exactly the same as what you've pitched and expressed yourself to be. That is very wise. Maybe Deandra has never thought of herself as more than a Simmons. Well, maybe Deandra should have. And then it would be a much easier position for her now that she's, you know, on the the brink of the poverty scale. So the highlight of this episode was when they go to the anger room and they smash things. And Leanne, I I I I think we would be... It would be very beneficial for us to do this in New York next week after our big conference. But Leanne explains the reasons why she wants to do this. So she says that they live in a surface world, (laughs) that they don't address any real pain, and that they all have somebody inside of them, um, but that they don't let each other see. And Deandra seems to take 
you know, offense to this. She says she's never been fake. And Leanne says the most passive-aggressive, or maybe just aggressive-aggressive comment I've heard in a long time, which is, if that's how you feel, then I'll let you have that. I don't know if there's anything that would infuriate me more. I feel like that that was a genuine comment. It was, but it's so infuriating. Because it's completely saying, if you feel that way, because it's the wrong way to feel, I'll let you live in your own fake reality. But what was it? Like the sense of never feeling that real sense of pain or the, I've misquoted you, but it was more or less that. But what better way to to explore that that, that sense of pain and hurt and, you know, that, that common man reality than to go and break a whole bunch of stuff that other people could probably use on their day-to-day lives. That's, 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 you know, I felt like that there was a, you know, there, there was something common there, something real and something pure. And I think that we should, you know, acknowledge and respect it. I do too. I just, I can't believe that when Deandra said she hadn't been fake, because I don't think she has been fake. She's always said exactly what she's thinking. For Leanne to kind of group the whole put the whole group and say, we're all fake. We all pretend everything's fine. I actually don't think they do. I think they are very open with their struggles. And maybe it's Leanne projecting and she's the one. Very open with their struggles. Whatever struggles they have. I guess struggles are relative. I mean, so you haven't seen um, earlier this season, but Stephanie... Uh, I missed those ones. Stephanie and Leanne both opened up about having attempted suicide before. And Leanne had attempted, I think, four different times. And just talking about things like depression and suicide don't really respect socioeconomic boundaries or race or age or ethnicity. And so I thought it was very brave of them to come forward and share those things. I had known some of it about Leanne. She'd experienced some childhood abuse. But Stephanie had never shared anything like that. And so for her, she said it was sort of her wall coming down. And I think, I don't know, it's easy to say, like, oh, these people have these easy lives. But in their own ways, they all experience struggles that most of us have, which is, like, wondering what we're doing with our lives and our careers and how do you, you know, balance being a parent and a career woman and, I don't know, and dealing with mental health struggles I I feel like they have been very open. And so for Leanne to say that they pretend, maybe she's projecting. Well, I would say that that's that's fair. I don't have the 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 same the same background. I haven't invested the the level of energy and <laughs> affection and commitment that I think uh my uh that you have Mandy in this. And but I think, you know, to comment on on some of those points very briefly, I think that in 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 modern society, any opportunity in every context where mental health and mental health challenges can be explored and sort of normalized and brought into the mainstream is an important step forward. Uh, it's something that's still not done enough. Like the stigma that goes with those sorts of mental health challenges is, you know, can be can be some of one of the biggest factors why for, for many people it's something that they cannot address or cannot confront or cannot share. So that is something that I think is very, very important. But at the same time, I think that the the degree to which um, the realities in which these people live, the disconnect that they have from others, whilst it does not exclude them or you know prevent them from experiencing such mental health challenges, it is also, uh, I think, quite difficult for the more average yeah. middle America. So you actually watch this and you get frustrated by watching people have challenges that you don't feel are true challenges. Whereas I watch this and I'm like, 
wouldn't this be nice to have this life? It's an escape. It's fascinating. The kinds of things that they think are problems are just so different from mine that I'm fascinated by it. You say you're fascinated, but I wonder for how long you'd be fascinated for if you were actually in that environment yourself. But I'm not. I'm not in that environment. I'm fascinated but watching it from afar. But if you but if you were in that environment, I probably would be like a brandy where I would just, you know, she grew up in a trailer. I did not, but she seems to like not forget where she came from and seems to really enjoy her life and be who she is regardless of where she is or what stage she is in her life. Just because she's a mom doesn't mean she can't have fun anymore. You know, just because she grew up a certain way doesn't mean she can't fit in with wealthier people. She just is who she is. Which I think is fair and which I think is important. And that's why I think she's, I'm watching her and I'm like, you're one of my favorite people because it's so fun to watch someone who's just truly authentically themselves. Do you feel as though that you and Brandy could be friends? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I would never be able to keep up with her with drinking though. But that's something to work on. You know, we all have, we all have those <laughs> things, those new skills to sort of, those new pursuits. That I would never be able to keep up. Well, don't sell yourself short, you know. But if she'd be open to hanging out with me without having to try and keep up, I feel like part of her having fun always includes drinking, but I could do all the fun things. I could dance. I could put a K-cup up my butt. <laughs> I know, you were showing earlier. Don't Just kidding. For the viewers, that happened. That happened. It was in the lead-in. It was in the warm-up exercise. <sighs> so any any sort of parting thoughts on why people watch Real Housewives, I mean, in Australia, do you think these shows are popular in any way? I feel as though that in Australia they're, they're just as popular as they are here, uh, probably for quite similar reasons and maybe interpreted in slightly different ways, but um, very much the same. I think people use it as a, as a form of escape, but then going back to your example around sort of mental health and the, the, the journeys that people have come to, to, to get to the position where they're living the lives that they are, Maybe people do sort of project a little bit of themselves into the, the, the characters that they see on screen. Um, and, and that is, you know, I think something that, that everybody, everybody looks for in whatever mediums and whatever escapes that they do, whether it's the novels that they read or the, the movies that they watch or the, the reality TV show that they uh, get exposed to for the first time and subsequently get engaged <laughs> in a podcast around. Uh, <laughs> But it is. It is. You it, loved it. I did. I, I'm, I'm a fan. I've already signed up to make sure that this is a, a regular thing that I, you know, engage in on a, on a weekly basis. My Friday binge of Dallas. What's it called? Real Housewives of Real Dallas. Real Housewives <laughs> of Dallas. I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Do you have a favorite character? Um, look, I'm all for happy endings. And I feel like marrying a pirate is something that everyone aspires to. <laughs> So, you know, Leanne, Leanne Locken is a fan favorite. Yeah, I think so. I think how, how can you go past Leanne? You know, like I think that the, um, the, the, alco- the alcoholic ginger, there's, there's, there's a little bit of love there, but you know, she's, she's my fave. She's not marrying a pirate though, is she? Oh, you haven't seen her husband. He's also a ginger. <laughs> but not a pirate. No, yep. no, you're right. We need more pirates in this world. We need more eye patches. And the best part is they haven't really explained why Rich is wearing an eye patch. And we're like multiple episodes into this season. I feel like Rich doesn't even know himself. (laughs) It just just happened one day. That's amazing. He just just turned up. He was sort of, you know, he was at a Pirates of the Caribbean party. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. And he he left without his watch, but with an iPad. Not iPad. iPad. (laughs) 
hard patch even. That's good enough. It's been a long week. It's been a long year. And it's going to get longer. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to join. And um, I will see you up at the United Nations next week. Mandy? Brandy? It's been a long <laughs> we, We're meant to be friends. I know. Brandy and I. I know. You guys with your, your shared love of cupcake tricks. K-Cup. Actually, Same that was thing. Deandra. So that concludes this week's episode of Is This Real Life? Thank you so much for joining. Please be sure to subscribe on either iTunes or SoundCloud and follow on social media at ITRL underscore podcast. See you next week. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.